says, Who shall change this vile body that it may be fashioned like unto a glorious body? According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 52 says, or 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. Corruption means corruptible. It's like a piece of metal that can rust. Or you have a piece of aluminum that doesn't rust. But aluminum will eventually corrupt. But you understand the situation. It won't go bad, in other words. It's sown in something that can go bad, and it's raised in something that can't go bad. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. Praise God. It is sown in the natural body, and it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Verse 54 says, so then this corruptible have put on incorruption, and this mortal, mortal means death, have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Lord, we need you today. Help me, Lord, as I impart your word unto your people. And God, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory and honor in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Because of sin... We have a lot of technical advances today. We have medicine now that can prolong someone's life. You know, you go to the graveyard and you walk around and you look at the graves and you see somebody that died at a young age and you say to yourself, how did they die? And you find out they died from an abscess tooth. Praise God. Or from some sickness. And we're living in a day where we are so far advanced, people are living longer than they should. Or not should, than they normally would. Aren't you? Aren't you glad I'm not your doctor? Woo, and we got it on live stream. Yeah, it was good, but it wasn't meant to be good. Praise God. Yes, we got people living longer than they normally would, okay? Praise the Lord. And I wasn't thinking of anybody particular when I messed that up, okay? Praise the Lord. But anyways, we're living in that kind of day. Amen. When if it's not, I'm going to tell you something about death. And that is, I've seen doctors do everything perfect and a person die. I've seen doctors really, really screw up and they lived. So don't, don't kid yourself. Death and life is still in the hands of the Lord. Praise God. God still holds the key to life. Praise the Lord. And, and thank God he, amen, doesn't think that, well, they live longer than they should. Praise God. But we have that kind of society. But it all came because of the curse of sin. And because of the curse of sin, if you've got arthritis today like I do, it's the curse of sin. If you hurt or if you struggled with cancer, it's the curse of sin. It's all come by the curse of sin. But you see, God came, Jesus came to make a way out of sin and death. Hebrews 2 and 14 through 15 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same. In other words, Jesus took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. 
that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, from the very beginning of Adam and Eve, when Cain killed Abel and death came, and then when Adam died, when Eve died, Brother Mike Wood was talking so much about, hey man, how that every man that has ever been taken to a grave is still in the grave. And uh, the thing of it is, man has always been concerned about death. No matter how rich they are, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how many people they have uh, under their jurisdiction, praise the Lord, or could call someone and kill them and not even be put in prison for it. They could kill whoever they wanted, praise God. They could not stop death from taking them. And it behooved them to the point to where they would even build things and, and provide that with things supposedly to take care of their afterlife. Man has always been intrigued by death because it has been a place where the Bible tells us a man is appointed to death once and then he does not come back. But you see, we struggle. We will struggle physically. But we need to no longer worry about the fear of death because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15 and 20. And the captain who will lead many sons unto glory, Hebrews 2 and 10. He, was a remo- he, he has removed death sting in 1 Corinthians 15, I read to you. Praise God. You see, the body resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the Christian faith. It is the thing that, hey man, Christians, everything pinges on. Is the fact that he came out of that grave, that he was overcoming death. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God told them, he said, praise the Lord, he said, when you eat of the forbidden fruit, he said, you'll die. Hey man, he didn't mean physically at the moment, although when a person spiritually dies, hey man, we will end up towards physically dying. And so when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, they were death separated from God at that point. And from that point on, they began to feel the pains and the miseries that we feel after our point of birth. From the time a baby is born, that baby begins and you were born as a baby. Your your body does not keep up physically so that you can maintain yourself. Things start to break down. Things start to get older. Through the genes, some, praise God, break down faster than others. But your body will not sustain itself over a period of time. You'll come to the point to where you will die. Why? Because you're separated from the Creator. Amen. You're separated from God. And so then you will begin to die. And it's a dying process every day. Praise God. Paul identified, amen, the gospel that's going to save us. Moreover, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose the third day according to the scriptures. And so Jesus died and was resurrected. He overcame death. Amen. You see, the Bible tells us that there's a law, and the law says that when a man sins, he must die. And when Satan took the life of Christ, 
Christ was without sin. We're going to talk about how he was without sin, but he was without sin. Christ needed not to die, but because he died, he broke the law. And so he was able to take every man's sins with him to death. And so now, praise God, Christ can stand in our place and say where he sinned, he should die. Where I didn't sin and died, praise God, I'm going to take and I'm going to claim his sins, praise God, so that he has no more sins. And so that's how, amen, that comes about. Because following his resurrection, Jesus appeared unto his disciples, amen, and uh, they were amazed at him. You see, when they were asked by the scribes and the Pharisees who did not believe on Jesus, Jesus answered them. They wanted, to, they wanted a sign. The scribes and the Pharisees said, give us a sign. And he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Praise God. And there is no sign to be given unto it. But the sign, amen, of the prophet Jonas. You see, Jonas was put in the, the belly of the whale for three days and was resurrected again. Jesus said, that is an example or that is the sign of what is going to happen. It's amazing to me that Jesus, all his life when he was upon this earth, he spoke to them and talked to them. He gave them all the, he gave them all the pieces of the puzzle, praise God, so that when his resurrection came and they could take those pieces and put that puzzle together, we have pieces out of the Bible today about a rapture, about an end time, about a heaven, about a hell, about all that. Praise God. We have those pieces. There's going to come a time in the future, praise God, when we're sitting at the great white throne, praise God, around the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to be able to say, yeah, that's what that scripture meant. Yeah. that's. And you know what's even better than that? You ready for this? That's why I went through that bad part of life. That's why that tragedy happened to me. That's why that child of mine or whatever passed away or was never born. That's why, praise God, I never was as successful as I thought I should be. That's why, praise God, my marriage fell apart. That's why, praise God, because ultimately God had a hand in it. Praise God. And that scripture that says, all things work to the good of them that love the Lord can be made assured that day. You'll know without a shadow of a doubt. That's why, praise God, that all happened like that. Praise the Lord. So Jesus told him, he said, I want to tell you the sign that you're going to see. And that sign is going to be just like Jonas. Three days is going to be in the belly of a whale, but three days I'm going to be in the belly of the earth. Amen. And then I'm going to be resurrected. You see, after following his resurrection, Jesus appeared unto his disciples, and they were terrified. They were thinking, oh, he's a spirit. Praise God. He's a spirit because he could come through, amen, a wall, or he could interact with them. Amen. And, and, and he looked at him and he said, behold, my hands, my feet, it is, it is I myself be, be able to handle me and see, praise God, do you have anything to eat? Amen. He said, a spirit is that, but he said, I have flesh and bones, praise the Lord. And he said, I'm flesh and bones. Then Thomas, who had not seen Jesus or heard him in, 
in the first part of his resurrection, he said, except I see the hands and the nail print in his nails or in his hands and put my finger into the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his side, uh, Thomas. And, you know, it's amazing to me. Let me just say something about this. Praise God, because there's so many good things in this that we cannot get around. Praise the Lord. You know, Thomas doubted Christ once, and all of a sudden, now he is marked as a doubter. I would hate to think that I, all my life, did some great things, and because I fell one time from that point on, everybody looks at me as that one fall, as that one mistake. Praise God. One mistake, and you're well known for it. All the things you tried to do to do right. And just one thing, just one time, just one character that you struggle with. Everybody, when your name comes up, everybody says, well, he's doubting Thomas. I'd hate to think that. Don't, don't get narrow-minded into doing that. Understand that, you know, you, you have people that go to church and, and they live a life of loving God and living for God and walking with God. Praise God. And then all of a sudden, amen, they fall. Amen. And people say, well, they never did live for God. Yes, they did. When people, when I was lost, I'm lost. And now that I'm saved, I'm saved. If I hit my head and get all messed up somewhere in my thinking and I don't do the right things, praise God, that don't mean that I was lost back then. Or not. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody looks at Downing Thomas and say, well, that's Downing Thomas. Well, he's just the one that got his name in the paper. Bible, actually. Okay. But he's the one that was notarized for what he did. I'll bet, I'll bet all them other disciples doubted at times. Praise God. And we can relate to Downing Thomas because there's times we doubt. You don't want to be like Doubting Thomas, they say. Well, guess what? We are all like Doubting Thomas. There are times in every one of our lives when we doubt. I'm telling you, there are times when you have been broadsided so hard that you are not sure of where you are, who you are, and what your God can do. Just relax. That's normal you got to get back up on your feet again and say, I'm going back and you find out God. You know, Jesus, Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, I pray that you recover, that your faith faileth you not. He didn't say, I pray that you don't fall because he knew Peter would fall. He said, I pray that your faith faileth you not. Praise God, because he knew that Peter was going to fall. God knows you're going to fall. You just need to get back up and let your faith carry you on. Praise God. You know, I was praying today, and as hard as I try to be so good with God, I just told God today, I said, God, amen, please don't ever turn your back on me. Don't ever falter. Let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm ministering in the Holy Ghost right now, okay? Praise God. And that is, amen. I just had a thought the other day that was so good that might help you out. And that is, you read the book of, of the book of Psalms. You read the book of Psalms. 
And David wrote the book of Psalms. And he wrote, God, you're so good to me. You are so magnificent. God, I love you so much. God, you're this. God, you're that. God, you're this. God is that. And that has kept David. I don't think that the book of Psalms was written by David because he wrote it for us. I think David wrote the book of Psalms because it sustained him. So here's my next question. What is your book that you're writing to sustain you? Are you going around the house saying, and you're not a shepherd. I'm a window cleaner by trade. I could do something like, God, you clean my heart better than every window I have ever cleaned. <laughs> David did that because it brought him strength. We read that, and I want to tell you something. What would my wife think of me if I went and wrote and read to her the poetry that some other man wrote to some other woman? I loveth you. Your eyes are like blue. And she looked at me and said, my eyes are brown. Oh. <laughs> Praise God. Just an example, okay? So the question is, why can't we just psalms make write our own psalms? God, you're the greatest in the world. I love thee. I love thee more than anything. I praise thee. Thou art wonderfully to me in my life. That would give us the strength that we would need. David, I think, wrote psalms for David. He didn't really write it for us. So what book are you writing? What words do you go around and say? Because I'm going to tell you something. Amen. It is a lot better to say, oh, God, you are great. I love you. I praise you. Than to say, oh, she is just no good. And there's nothing good about her. I don't like her. She irritates me. Praise God. Did you notice that I didn't say it about a man? Because us men don't do those things. Yeah, we do. I'm just kidding. But you understand what I'm saying today. Praise God. Write your own book of Psalms in the day. Praise the Lord. Praise him and lift him up. David wrote Psalms for his own. That was his own situations. Praise God. Amen. And so, Doubting Thomas. I want to tell you something. We all struggle with our doubts. We've been through situations. And if you think you are above being knocked off your feet, look out. Because yours is coming. God is going to show you. And if you judge somebody else in something, then you better get, you better try to lock your door. And he could do you no good. Because that situation is coming your way. Praise God. So doubting Thomas, yes, he was doubting Thomas. But Thomas says, I don't want, I won't trust him or I won't believe it unless I can feel his nails. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Eight days later, Thomas was with the rest of the disciples when Jesus appeared unto them again. And Jesus said unto Thomas, hey, Thomas. Hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach 
hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Praise God. And be not faithless. Praise God. Amen. This was the evidence that we needed. Amen. That a body resurrection of Jesus Christ could be made like a fleshly body. You see, what I believe that Jesus, or what God is going to do is, he's going to retake us back to what the garden was like in heaven. Where Satan messed it up, Jesus is going to take us back. Praise God. Because the Bible says, whom God hath raised up, he hath loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding to it. Moreover, also my flesh shall... Oh, David. David spoke this. Now, David David w- w- spoke this, but Peter quoted it from Acts chapter 2. When Peter wanted to let them know, this is the day of Pentecost. Now, if the Lord doesn't change my message for tonight, it's going to be, go to Jerusalem. I'm going to talk about where Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Praise the Lord. But the thing of it is, after, when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, after Christ's crucifixion, his death, his burial, he opened the door so that a person could repent of their sins. It would do you no good to repent of your sins if you were going back to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So repentance was not really fully there because, praise the Lord, how could you clean a guy that's standing in the mud? He's in the mud. So if you tried to wash him down, he's still in the mud. You got to get him out of the mud. Repentance is a way. So before a person could repent and before they could die out to themselves and before they could resurrect and be filled with the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost, amen, Christ had to be crucified and praise God so that he could take their sins. And then two things would happen. First of all, he took away their sins. When anyone is baptized in the water, Praise God. And they're put down like they were in the book of Acts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and brought up again. It washes away all their sins. All their sins are gone. Praise God. And the ability to do that came by the fact that Christ died on the cross, was buried in the grave and resurrected out of the grave. And the Bible tells us that that's exactly what you go through when you are buried in baptism. The Bible said, like as if Christ was put into the grave and brought out of the grave living in the spirit. From that point on, he was in the spiritual world. When a person is baptized, they are put down in the water. Amen. And they are dying out. And matter of fact, Christ is going down with you. There was a time when we did some baptisms out at the, uh, out at the, uh, out at the creek, amen, and there was, some, there was a party. They were having a very big alcoholic party there, amen, and praise the Lord. And I took some people out, I think it was like 10 or 15 at the time, and we baptized them, 
And they all got out and sat on the banks, and the party waited for us to get it done. At the end of all the baptisms, with all the worshiping and everything, one of the men run down to me, and he said, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. And I said, all right. <clears throat> I said, I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll talk about it. I got some flack over that. Why didn't you just not put him in the water? Why didn't you just not put him in the water? I can't believe you didn't put him in the water. Praise God. Well, amen, if I'd have took him out and put him in the water, and he wasn't repentant of his sins, he would have just went down a sinner and came up a sinner. When that guy got sober, he didn't want to talk about God. He wouldn't talk to me about God. He wasn't interested in God and whatever. I could have baptized him. Praise the Lord. You see, amen, when a person is baptized, when they go down, they have to have the forgiveness of sins. And I'm just going to really talk about everything today because I want you to know everything. And the thing of it is, you got to watch with children because children will be so excited about being baptized and not understand why they're getting it done. Now, if a child gets the Holy Ghost, then that's a sign that that child's heart is ready. You better do it. But don't push children to get baptized too early. And I'll tell you why. Because a person needs to understand the weight of sin before they can fully understand the weight of, amen, salvation. And some of our children, we have baptized them, and they've not understood what sin is. They were raised in the church, and they never knew what it was to be under condemnation. And so they don't know how bad the world can be. And so the world is desiring to them. Because in their mind, they have never gone back there and understood how bad sin can be. So we have to be careful with children. I know we want to see them repent. I know we want to see them baptized. I know we want to see them filled with the Holy Ghost. But sometimes we do more damage because they don't understand how bad sin is. And so they go back out into the world and then they realize how bad sin is. And pray to God they come back. So when a person is buried in baptism, they have to feel the condemnation of sin. Some preachers just love, anybody mentions baptism, they're right to the, uh, right to the baptismal tank. But then they'll ha as a pastor, I have to ask myself, hey man, how many people, praise God, have I baptized that have not been serious? I need to see a serious sign. Do you realize that that is almost the only thing that is required for a person to be baptized is to make sure that they are serious about it and they're repentant and they want to change their life? Now, I understand, praise God, that we don't know what tomorrow may hold and we'll struggle to do the right thing. But there is a conscience at the moment that says, I am ready to turn my life around and I'm ready to let the Holy Ghost have complete control and complete use. Now, does that mean that I'm going to fall? Yes, you'll fall. 
but that doesn't mean, praise God, that you will get up out of that baptismal tank with the, the idea that I'm just going to continue to do what I want to. Praise God. But do we realize that when we are buried with him, so when Peter was talking to them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he said, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden to it. Moreover, this was David that was speaking. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. And do you remember I mentioned to you that try to write your own psalms? If you do that and you really try to write your own psalms, and you don't have to write it down, but if you just start out in the day and say, God is my keeper and I love him with my heart, and you write that, you will find that in some of those psalms, God will give you some things that will be needful in the future. David wrote this, you see. And because David wrote this, there will be ministers of God, preachers of God, ministers, saints that will speak things into your life. As a pastor, a saint can come up to me and say, you know what, Brother White, I'm really concerned about that situation. And if I, if I'm sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and 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 they could be wrong, they could be right, but that could be God's way of speaking into my life. You know, maybe the way that you came to the Lord was because you met somebody and they said, "Hey, there's a church down there." that is Pentecost, and they believe in the, the book of Acts, and you said, oh, okay, that was God speaking to your life. Right. Praise God. And with David, David, he spoke, amen, in Psalms, and he said, praise God, he said, amen, moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will I suffer thy holy one, he's talking about Christ there, to see corruption. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. He says, let me talk to you about David. He said, praise God, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you about the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. So when David said, praise God, you're not going to leave my soul in hell, Praise God. You're not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to let your Holy One or Jesus see corruption. David, you know, they, it's amazing to me how you can have a great person in life, but they're never really respected or cared for or really listened to or built up until they're dead. We look and we read David and we think, that guy's a great guy. Hey, there was more people wanting to kill him than wanted him alive. Paul, you say, you know, we really trust Paul and what Paul says. I want you to know something tonight. There were more people that wanted to kill Paul than wanted him to live. Very few people trust him or suffered or, 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 or trusted him or believed in him or followed him. Now that he's dead, praise God, he's, Jesus Christ is the greatest example at all. Nobody stood up at the cross and tried to get him down. Now he's the greatest thing in the world. 
I was telling my wife the other day, we was watching Pharaoh, and uh, we was watching about Pharaoh, amen, and Moses, and there was a scene in there where they looked, the Pharaohs, the Pharaohs uh, looked at Moses, and it, it was, I'm not sure it was a biblical scene, but it, it, it's an example of what I'm trying to say. They looked at Fa- Moses, and they said, you don't want to go with the Israelites, Because you'll just be in mud. You'll be in slavery. Don't you want to be well-known and popular like we are? And I said to my wife, there's nobody, there's no Pharaoh that's as as popular as Moses is now. Think about that. Think about Ruth. Not this Ruth, but the Bible Ruth. Praise God. And you could probably put her in that set too. But think about Ruth. Ruth could have went on, but because she sacrificed and put God first, God gave her the most wonderful man that he could have in the way of Boaz and made her one of the richest people. Why? Because she put God first. Let me just say this today. We struggle so hard to become, you know, to to get somewhere or to have something or to be somewhere. Don't we realize if we just sit back and let God be first in our lives and put him first in everything, God is the one that will get us there? If we give to God like we should and we love God like we should and we live for God like we should and we put God first, don't you think that God can do to us? It's in God's hands and God's control. Hey, I'm in the business world. I work with a lot of business people. And I watch people in business, and they get really, really successful. And you think, oh, they're really, really smart. No, they're just really lucky. And it's God that gets them there. CEOs and everything that make all that money, their IQ's not so much high that they ought to make that much money. They just got lucky. But let me go back to God. And actually, it's God that got them there. Praise the Lord. We struggle so hard to get somewhere in life. And don't we realize if we just live for God? I told the Lord the other day, I said, God, I don't want to be anywhere you don't want me to be. Praise God. (laughs) You know what he told me? You ain't going to be anywhere I don't want you to be. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) But he could have. I'm sorry, I'm not one of these guys that hear the voice of God all the time. But it's, it's, tr- it's true. You know? Amen. I got some friends. They're, I call them friends. I work for them and stuff. They're millionaire billionaires. Praise God. And I will say to them every once in a while, Bob, not, one of them's not Bob, but Bob, at the end of the day, if you can say, this day is great. I don't care how much money you got, buddy. If you can just say, I really enjoyed today. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. Praise God. And, and that's, you just, it's not in riches. It's not in fame. It's not in fortune. It's not in any of that. Although the world is digging for it, fighting for it, they're flinging for it. It's not in any of that. Praise God. It's just every day having the true peace of the Holy Ghost down inside and living for the Lord and walking with him. And understanding, praise the Lord, 
just like, you know, God is our father. And every day, my father will give me what I need. Every day, my father will give me what I need. Praise the Lord. Amen. And in the book of Acts, amen, Peter told him, he said, here's the grave of Jesus. Or I'm sorry, here's the grave of David. Here it is, still here. If you dig it up, his bones are still in there. David wasn't talking about, but I'll tell you who David was talking about. You think David's so great? You think David, you say, well, we're the children of David. David is our king. We worship, or not worship David, but we honor David. Well, these are the words of David. And David said, praise God, that there was going to come a man who was not going to be held by a grave. And go find the tomb of Jesus. He's gone. Praise God. Peter pointed out that the Messiah, not David, was the subject to the prophecy that was in Psalms chapter 16. Because he conquered death. 1 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Christ was sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For Jesus to conquer sin, it is necessary for him to fully participate in the human body. You know, praise God, Jesus had a human body, but he didn't have a sinful nature. Praise God. He was born. I could have a little bit of fun with this and probably shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyways. Do you realize that Jesus was of Mary and of the Holy Ghost? And is it possible that all of our kids' sinful nature comes from the Father? Because it didn't come from Joseph. Joseph wasn't a part of that. I don't know. It's just something you ladies would smile at me at. And you men would frown at me at. No, I don't think so. I think that the Holy Ghost. You understand what I just said? Some of you look a little confused at me. Joseph was not a part of Jesus' body. Jesus did not have a sinful nature. So is it possible that the sinful nature comes through the man's side of a child? Can all the women say amen? Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Praise God. Just a thought. Praise God. Brother Jason Corsi, your mind don't always run like that either. I mean, your mind doesn't. You're the only one that runs like that. Praise God. But he did not have a sinful nature. But he had a human body. And you, you can say, amen. Well, is that possible? Yes. Adam had a human body, but not a sinful nature. Praise God. But because Adam and Eve sinned, they got a sinful nature. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was the first Adam. Praise God. So where Adam sinned, that's why in the wilderness was so important for Jesus to overcome and not fall into sin like Adam did. Because what Jesus did in the wilderness was he became completely victorious where Adam and Eve in the garden fell. So, if we live in the Holy Ghost, we'll live like Jesus did in the wilderness and overcome sin. But if we live like Adam and Eve did in the garden, then we will live into the sinful nature. And let me tell you where the sinful nature lies. 
This is where it really lies. You ready? And it's in self. Our worst enemy is self. When a husband or a woman commits adultery and you talk to them, it's all about what I wanted. When a man is not the man of his home or the provider of his children or the protector of his wife, it's generally about what he wanted. It's self. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, Satan looked at Adam, Eve and said, look at the fruit, self, that it's good for food, self, that it'll make one wise, self. When I start thinking about what I have to do to be a pastor, it's self. I start getting irritated. I start getting aggravated. But when I start thinking about what I can do for God and my brothers and sisters, I'm more happier. If you struggle with depression, get out and volunteer to help someone. It's the best way you can get out of depression. If you struggle with depression, you're thinking too much about yourself. And you need to start thinking about other people and other things. Praise God. Someone said to me, a, another pastor and his wife said to me, they retired now, and they're retired, and they're saying, boy, amen, amen. It's just so nice to be retired. We don't have the burden of the church anymore. And I'm sitting here thinking, burden? Burden? Church's burden? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm senile somehow, but I love pastoring. I love ministering. It's not a burden to me. When you start thinking your children are a burden, you're thinking of self. When you start thinking about, you know, you know, you know, your job, even your job, when you think your job is a burden, you're thinking about self. Go into that, not thinking about what is in it for me, but what can I do to help somebody else? So, amen, when you start thinking about other, you know, self, you'll get miserable. You'll get really miserable when you start thinking about self. Amen. You won't be happy. Your days will not be happy because all you can think about is self and me and I. Praise God. And so, amen, you've got to, when you reach out to God and you start thinking about God, praise God, and the things of God. Amen. For Jesus to conquer sin, it was Necessary for him to be human, but not to have a human nature. Because 1 Timothy 3.16 says, amen, that God was manifested in the flesh. In other words, he was made known in the flesh. And he didn't put on just a, a fleshful body or a skinful body. Praise God. Amen. He put on a body. He had a total body like we did. Hebrews 2 and 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took on the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death. Praise God. Because you see, there's going to be, and I'm going to close, but there's going to be, praise God, our, uh, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection was a, uh, a foreshadow of our repentance, 
our baptisms and our Holy Ghost. People say, hey man, well I don't believe baptism is important for salvation. Oh my God, don't you realize that your repentance and your baptism and your Holy Ghost, that's why Peter said that a man, that's why Jesus said that a man must be born again of the water and the Spirit. That's why Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and said, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't you understand that that is your way into salvation? To, be put, to repent of your sins and to be buried in the water and to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15 and 12, Paul says, it, Now if Christ be preached that he arose from the dead, how shall some say? Some struggled in that day that there is not a resurrection. And Jesus said, Hey man, now if Christ be preached that he arose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then, there is no, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain because Christ being crucified, buried, and resurrected again in the Spirit is our way of coming to Him by our repentance and our baptism and our Holy Ghost. Praise God. And your faith is also in vain. Yea, and you are found false witnesses of God because you have testified that God that raised up Christ from the dead raised not up. If so, be that the dead not raised not, for if the dead raised not, then is Christ raised, I'm sorry, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised. In other words, he's saying, praise the Lord, that if Christ is raised from the dead, then we're raised from the dead. If Christ, if we, we don't think we're going to be raised from the dead, if there's going to be a resurrection, then Christ did not die and rose again because that is the one is for the purpose of the other the reason that christ died rose again is so that we could die and raise again and vice versa so there is an extreme importance amen in that resurrection praise god and Titus 2 and 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'm telling you, there's an importance in the resurrection. And Easter Sunday is coming. Praise the Lord. Wednesday night, Brother Tim Williams and I are going to be talking about John chapter 18. And I, I be, you want to hear something funny? I got on my iPad. And I'm frantically, I come early this morning, got on my iPad. There's not a Bible on my iPad. And so I'm going through my iPad trying to find a Bible. I get online, try to download a Bible. It wants me to give me all my passwords and all this stupid stuff. Praise God. And I'm sitting here find, tr fighting to find a Bible on my iPad. And I'm sitting in a pew, and there's one right there in front of me. I forgot we have written Bibles nowadays, don't we? Let's all stand. <laughs> Praise God. How many remembers when a phone was to make a phone call and that was sufficient? <laughs> Lord, we love you and praise you, Jesus, for this day. God, I thank you, Lord, for your crucifixion and your resurrection. I thank you, Lord, that you gave us the ability to come to you. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to be with us. God, let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?